Welcome back to the Hecate's Doorway podcast. Hopefully you all having a good time so far. Hopefully you're not freezing your asses off. Because we are. Yes, it's very fucking cold. What was the coldest it's been so far? Well, this by the time this goes up, I think it'll go back to normal temperature. But as the time of recording this, a couple of days ago, it was like 12 degrees outside. Yeah, I know some places are in the negatives. Yeah, fuck that. Fucking cold as shit. Cold as shit. It's getting Nordic up in here. Hey. All right. Let's go pillage. Let's go pillage. and pillage. <laughs> All right. So we're jumping back into true crime. True Historic true crime. Fuck yeah. It feels uh, slightly less scandalous when you do really old true crime. Yeah. We can laugh about it more. Because it's at the point where there's there's no victims, there's no no one, they're all just, you know. They're all dead. Yeah. At least most of them probably are dead. Probably. Okay, so this is going all the way back to 1800s Victorian. Oh yeah, they're all definitely dead now. Yes, they're all very dead, dead, dead. Uh, This is the story of Robert Coombs. Coombs. Very weird name. Robert Coombs was a 13-year-old boy who murdered his mother in cold blood in 1895 and attempted to cover up the death and live a normal life while his mother rotted in her bedroom. Ooh. This one's this one's very strange. I'll just say this boy does not act like a boy. But then again, this is Victorian London where boy is like baby to like five and then from then on you're a young man and then once you're like 10 you're an adult is a shot of whiskey basically robert was born in bethnal green london on january 6th 1882 and was the first son of robert and emily coombs robert senior was a steward on a transatlantic steamer and spent months away at a time from home so he is gone. That's a that's an important part of the story is that he is gone for many many months at a time for his job, basically airline steward, but for boat. Yeah, he's just not there in the picture. Yeah, he was never there. My daddy wasn't there. He wasn't there. I mean, he was, but only for a bit. Basically, I, I, there's gonna be a lot of like thinking about how the parents were, but it's also like this is 1800s. Like anything that you think his parents were doing wrong is probably just normal at the time. Yeah. Definitely. So it's best just to like steer out of that, because then you're just gonna be like going in circles. Yeah. Like child abuse wasn't a thing. No, nope, it I was mean, just a regular day. Yeah. Like it, it, obviously it was a thing, but it wasn't like a thing that people thought was a thing. It was just like, no, this is just how you raise a kid. You beat the fucking shit out of them. That's how they learn. <clears throat> when Robert Jr. had been born, even forced birth, which left him with a permanent scar on his temples. Forceps. Forceps. Oh, that's what that is. Yeah, that's like the the jaw of life. They had to fucking clamp his head down and pull him out. Ow. Yeah. Oh, damn. I can see why that would leave some brain damage. And the brain damage. And the brain damage. And the brain damage. Oh, the brain damage. Possibly because of this, he suffered from severe headaches, which, taken to the doctor, his parents had been advised to never hit him on the head. <laughs> which is great advice. All My right. son's suffering from severe headaches. Uh, just don't beat him in the head anymore. Yeah, beat him everywhere else, but not on the head. 
Avoid the head. Lower the hand. Lower the. There you go. Yeah. Punch right. him in the gut. Don't hit him in the head. Exactly. I thought this is like the only thing the doctor says to it. It's just like, don't hit him in the head. Yeah. Also, medicine back then was still very primitive. Yeah. This is a. Uh, what, like a hundred years maybe or less after they decided that putting frogs over you doesn't cure anything? Probably about, yeah. I think they were still using bleach. Uh, not bleach. Leech. Oh, yeah. They were definitely still using leeches. Yeah. Later on, Robert would be prescribed potassium bromide for his headaches. The family had moved on frequently, fairly frequently. Oftentimes, uh, Robert, sir, would stay in a, in a separate home until 1894 when the family would move into what would be their final home because they'd be dead. Yes. Maybe they did. Robert and younger brother Nathaniel attended several schools as the family moved around, and all of Robert's teachers described him as exceptionally clever. Ooh. Robert was exposed to and seemingly took interest in the Whitechapel murders in 1888. Oh, nice. So he was pretty interested in that. I mean, I mean everyone was. Yeah. You know? The, the whole why true crime now thing is like it's always been like that as well as finding a love for the popular at the time penny dreadfuls oh, of course uh, again they also they frame this almost like this could have been the cause but again like both interest in true crime well, like this is back in the time where people would go to crime scenes and just take shit like they would take body parts they would take their fucking belongings because the police couldn't hold them back. Yeah. And they would just take shit and then, like, either keep it or sell it. Like, people were horrible back then for this. So it's not not special. And the Penny Dreadfuls were super popular. Obviously, like, there's a fucking Broadway musical made after one of them. Like, they weren't, they weren't like, these horrible... It was, it was the same thing as, like, oh, violent video game's bad. It's like, no, they're oh, not. No. Oh, they're, they're just horror stories. They they're weren't being, anything crazy. Being affected by violent games and violent music. Oh, no. They're causing the kids to do bad things. No, they're not. No. Uh, Robert left school in 1895 at the age of 11, as Damn. was normal for the time, and entered the workforce. No so this is what I was talking about. Like, 11 years old. It's like, yeah, you're done in school. Go work. Yeah, basically. Robert, so you can read, write, and do math. That's it. I mean, barely. But it's like, yeah, that's fucked up. Uh, Robert took up work at different shipyards and even sailed a few times. Cool. So he would, he would work on the ships. He'd go transport stuff back and forth. So by age 11, this guy was sailing. Yeah. But I mean, by all accounts, so far, normal kid, normal life. Yeah, basically. For the time. Yeah. The time. On Saturday, July 6th, 1895, Robert Sir left for one of senior. his... Uh, I don't know if they used senior and junior back then, but both the the kid and the dad are named Robert. So to uh, make it easier, I just called you know senior and junior. Okay. That makes sense. Robert Sr. left for one of his many months along absences from work and left enough money behind for the family until his return. The next day, according to Robert, his mother had severely beaten his brother Nathaniel and later confided that Robert, to Robert that he wanted to kill their mother. The next day, at 3.45 a.m., while she slept, Robert stabbed his mother twice in the chest. The knife he used to kill her was later testified the boss's father and brother had been brought a week prior. Nice. I mean, the, that's like part comes up in the trial. I think it's, it's to show... Um intent but at the same time it also is just a knife yeah it could go either way like like i was saying you could you could go both ways and say like yeah obviously his mother's beating the shit out of both of them yeah 
And he's a man, considering at that point, so... But at the same time, it's like, this was pretty regular at the time, I imagine. Like, it was still normal in, like, the 70s to beat your kids. I mean, I wonder what the, like, the numbers are. Like, how many kids back in the day killed their parents? Um, probably quite a few. Probably not as uh, bloody as this, though. Probably a little more accidental. Like, quote-unquote accidental. Oh no. Because this seemed to make pretty big news back then. My dad got eaten by a bear while we were hunting. Oh no, I was going to shoot the bear, but I shot my dad. Oh no. Now where's the inheritance? (laughs) It's like, sweet. Later. Ooh, peace, bitch. Robert and his mother slept in the same room, because they had a a pretty small house, I assume. Yeah. And after stabbing her, Robert went back to sleep as his mother lay dying. So he just woke up, stabbed her, laid back down, went to bed. It's like, all oh, right, so I gotta do that thing. Uh, let me take care of that real quick. Uh, let me, uh, let me just. It's gonna be a whole thing if I put it off. Let's just stab her now. Yeah, get it over with. Like one, two. Okay, that's enough. That's work. good. There's quite a lot of blood coming out. I'm going back to bed. Mom, shut the fuck up and die fast. Bobby. Uh, sometime between eight thirty and nine in the morning, Robert entered Nathaniel's room to tell him he'd killed their mother. At first, Nathaniel didn't believe Robert, telling him to prove it. Robert would take Nathaniel to their mother's room, where she lay either moaning in pain or emitting her final breaths. Goddamn. Yeah, she didn't die fast. She was still making noise, apparently. Probably death rattles at this point. Yeah. I don't think you can go, like, five, almost five hours after being stabbed in the heart twice and be alive. So you're probably just letting that air out. She probably wasn't stabbed in the heart. More likely, she was just stabbed so far deep that she was just bleeding. Probably. And just out of blood loss, but it probably took a while. Probably, yeah. That stabbing deaths ain't too fast. They simply covered her face and left the room, locking the door behind them. Oof. Brother's like, sick, mom's dead. Tight. Not not even like an emotional reaction. He's just like, cool. Well, we're going to lock this door behind us and uh, yeah. Move on with our lives. The crazy thing about this, I don't want to give any spoilers away. But for the way this ends out, it's like almost like both the brothers were almost in on it. I mean, this is how the story's told, but it's like, you know, the other brother's like, man, I want to fucking kill our mom. The other brother kills the mom. And then the one who doesn't kill her when he sees her dead is just like, eh, cover that up. Oh, I kind of, I forgot to put something in there. Uh, So after he kills her, takes money. I don't know. I don't, I guess a rent book's like the old version of a checkbook. Something like you give to your landlord, but he goes to his neighbor and he he gives him some money to pay him to do it for the rent and the rent book and he's just like hey my mom's like can you pay this month's rent ah uh, yeah just saying that she's gone and the rent the neighbor does it that way they don't suspect anything which is like the part that's cr- like i find so crazy about this is this kid like has this shit planned like at least he's trying to yeah like he's not being like a kid and he's just like mom's dead i'm just gonna stay home and eat junk food and fuck around he's like gotta get the rent paid gotta cover this up yeah He's got a fucking plan, it's crazy. He's 11, for fuck's sake. But he's read many mystery books and true crimes. Damn it, they're right. We should have burned all those fucking horror comics. They're turning kids into murderers. Yay. On Tuesday, Robert would use quick lime he'd bought to try and slow his mother's decay. The following day, Robert would get into contact with 39-year-old John Fox. Fox was mentally challenged and would do odd jobs for the Royal Albert Dock and was also a friend of Robert Sr. Robert had asked Fox to watch after him and Nathaniel while their mother was, quote, away, end quote. 
as well as giving him permission to pawn many of the family's items for extra money. Something that I don't know about this case is whether or not this guy knew the truth or not. Oh. Because they, they paint him as like a Forrest Gump type, and the most of me believes that he totally believes Robert, and he's just like, Mom's away, kids are my friend, I gotta take care of him. I don't think he knew the truth, but there's always that little bit of like, he might have known. Yeah. But I don't think he did. Okay. That'd be interesting. Fox claimed to be Robert Sr.'s and pawned Robert's golden pocket watch, silver wrist watch, and a mandaloon to three different pawn shops. Fox would also move into the into the Coombs' homes. Saying that sounds weird. During this time, into the Coombs' home on July 13th, Fox would deliver a letter from Robert to the National Steamship Company, claiming his mother was sick with the uh, Bright's disease and needed to pay a hefty medical bill. The letter asked for an advance of four pound, yeah, four pounds from Robert Senior's paycheck for the bill. Isn't it crazy that like four pounds is like a, a a bill amount back then? Damn. I mean, like, imagine like you go to the doctor and it's like, yeah, your bill's four dollars. God damn! I don't know if I could pay that. Like that's insane. I don't like that. Oh uh, uh, man. That, that's just another thing right there. It's like. He's right, and it's like he's. We need more money. I need. I need money. So let's get an advance out of my dad's paycheck. The cashier, John Houston, requested a doctor's note before he gave the advance. The following Monday, Robert himself came to the shipyard with a note, allegedly from local physician J.J. Griffin, confirming the illness, possibly with the suspicion that something isn't right with all this. More than likely, uh, Houston tells Robert that he will hand over the money to his mother himself. Oh, well, I guess we'll find out if he lives or not. Thank you, scamming me forceps. A neighbor of the Coombs, Ms. Bridge, Bridges? I think it's Burridge. 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 Became suspicious of the mother's apparent illness and contacted Emily's sister asking her to check up on her. Now, I, I call the sister the sister for this whole script because apparently her name is also Emily. They have the same name. There's a lot of double names in this script. The fuck? So the sister is just the sister, just to keep it simple. Fair enough. On Monday, July 8th, Emily's sister arrived at the home, though receiving no response upon knocking. She returned the following day to be greeted by Fox, who told her Emily was away in Liverpool. Knowing that wasn't true, she came back again the next day, but again received no response. So she's very persistent. She's like, no, nah, this ain't right. She's like, yeah, you have a lie. I'm pretty sure she lives in Liverpool. Bobby. And she's like, no, the, the neighbor said that she's there and she's sick. You're telling me she's in Liverpool? What the fuck's going on here? Hmm. She came back one last day, and this time she was able to get into the house. She made her way to Emily's room, but it was locked and no one would open it for her. So she went to the landlord who gave her a key. Back with the key, she opened her sister's room to be greeted by her decaying corpse. Corpse, oh. Ooh, corpse. Oh, shit. <laughs> I had a corpse on that bed. Ooh, goddamn. Ooh. Damn, girl. You fuck with that corpse? Mm-hmm. Mm, y'all gonna use that? I don't know. You might. You might. You might. That's fucking gross. Miss <laughs> <laughs> Burridge ran back to her home and told her husband to get the police. Both he and Constable Wa- Robert Thwart. 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 You think it's Thwart, my plans? Yes, because my name is Thwart. Uh, Constable Robert Thwart arrived at the home at 1.50 p.m. 
In between the time of discovery and the arrival of the constable, Nathaniel had escaped the home through a window and ran. Ooh. He's just like, yeah, no, fuck this. I'm out, bitches. I ain't getting pulled down for this one. Hey, Swabert, got hey. you out. Yeah, you stabbed her, not me. Yeah, true. More and more neighbors arrived to the scene as more police arrived as well. Sergeant Henry Belch interviewed both Fox and Robert. Both were arrested and held in custody as in West Ham. West Ham. West Ham. West Ham. Hey. Upon investigating another bedroom, a child's blood-stained plaid shirt had been found, along with a knife still in the bed. The room had also been ransacked by Robert shortly after. Likely looking for whatever money or syllable atoms they could have been. A letter written by Robert addressed to his father had also been found in the room, which said that Emily had injured her hand and was unable to write the note and asked for money to help cover some bills. Those men just constantly trying to get money. Yep. There was also an unsent newspaper ad in the room for a loan Robert had most likely intended to try and take. Robert was moved to Holloway Prison to await his trial, where he was examined by medical officer George Edward Walker. He told Walker he heard voices telling him to kill his mother and how he had a, quote, unresist or irresistible urge to kill her, end quote. Walker also observed the odd way his pupils would wander during his headaches and how excited he was for his upcoming trial. So the guy's a little fucking crazy. He, he might actually be crazy. I don't know. Probably. Especially if he had no remorse and immediately just like, okay, time to kill her. But probably more like psychopath crazy and not like completely delusional crazy. Because usually when you're completely delusional, you don't plot out ways to like continue to survive like he did. True. Usually completely delusional, he'd just be sitting in the house like not knowing what the fuck to do now. Yeah. The trial was held at the Old Bailey starting on September 9th, 1895, where Robert was found guilty and sent to uh, to an indefinite stay at the Broadmoor Hospital for the Grimsley in- criminally insane. Grimsley. Grimsley. For the criminally insane. Hey. He was the youngest inmate there. Nathaniel wasn't found to be guilty, and neither was Fox. Robert was released in 1812 at the age of 30. Goddamn. Yeah, he got out. He I spent mean, 20 years off by the looks of it. Oh, yeah. For sure. In 1814, Robert went to Australia when Nathaniel had gone while he was incarcerated. There he would enlist in the Australian, Imp- Australian Imperial Air Force and would serve in World War One. Robert would die at the age of 67 in 1949 due to natural causes. Yes, this man had a career in the army after this. Yeah, that sounds about right. Alright. And crazy. also, he lived through World War Two too. Yeah, fucking crazy. I mean, he's probably too old to serve by World War Two because this is like 49 is like what, like four years after it ended? Three or four? So I think, did it yeah, end in 46? No, 45. 45? Around that time between, but yeah. Uh, yeah, that was just a crazy one. I was like, that's just interesting. This little fucking kid is just doing all this crazy shit. He was uh, almost got away with it, but not quite. I imagine if he couldn't get out and get away before his dad came back, he probably wouldn't have been able to get away with it after that. Yeah. But yeah, he really tried, which is insane for some kid to try to get away with it for that long and seemingly had some kind of plan not a good plan but he had a plan <laughs> it wasn't good but he had a plan just that was robert coombs the boy who killed his mother and served 20 years in prison fucking gnarly and then later served them both in world war one yeah just got out and went to australia hey well, that was it. Uh, we will be back later with some more crazy ones. So we have some more funny episodes in the works, some more 
We have stuff we're working on. So just stick with us while this shit gets a little rocky, as if it wasn't already. I know, right? Uh, thank all you right. all for listening. Thank you all for staying and listening to us. Don't forget to check out all our shit. We got Patreon, merch, hey. social media, email. You fucking name it. We got it. Thank you all. Have a blessed day and stay, stay good. And go fuck yourself, please. No. No.